We're continuing to work this week with the spiritual practice of simplicity. But first, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming change. I'm going to be taking on a couple of writing projects. And of course, with every yes to something that takes our time, it has to come with a no, whether we intend for it to or not. The problem is this no may affect some of you. We're going to be shifting the podcast to bi-weekly rather than weekly. This was a hard decision for me to make. It's tough to say no to good things, the things you enjoy. I mean, I know a number of you follow along every week, but I do think it's the right decision. Actually, this sort of fits with simplicity, you know, being aware of our limitations and then making decisions accordingly. There are a handful of people you meet through the years that, I don't know, they just love well and leave this sort of trail of goodness behind them. Anyone who knows our guest today, Damon Seacott, they'll smile at just hearing his name because he's that kind of person quietly, simply, mostly in hidden ways. He's been a profound part of many people's lives. In a sense, I think his commitment to simplicity has given him a sort of agility and openness. I met Damon at the university I used to work at. He was the chief of staff. One night, I was out to dinner with my family. I saw him across the restaurant. At this point, I'd only had a few brief conversations with him, but I knew him well enough to wave and smile as we noticed each other. At the end of our meal, our waitress informed us that the bill had been paid for. She pointed across the room, and there was Damon, with this wonderful, joyful smile on his face, so eager to cover the bill. What he didn't know was that night, I really needed that bill covered. A few years later, I was going out to lunch with Damon. My back had recently completely went out, and I was sort of hobbling across the parking lot, retelling the stories of my misery. When we got in the car, he asked if we could swing by his house. I said, sure. Now, when he came back to the car... I was greeted with a gift, a really nice wooden walking stick. What struck me about this impromptu gift was again, that look of joy on his face, a sort of childlike playfulness. With such ease, he gave his possessions away. It's this generosity of spirit that just seems to pour out of his life. And clearly, a little glimpse into his years of friendship with Jesus. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Bi-Weekly Podcast. Hi, Damon. Hey, Nathan. I'm really glad we get to talk today. <laughs> Me too. When, when I think of people who embody the spiritual practice of simplicity. Uh, there are a few people that come to mind. Uh, as um, integrated and committed, 
as as you, and and I wonder if you might um, help us a little bit with kind of what this practice means for you and and how you got to where you are uh, in your life. When I was a little kid, uh, my grandmother was the, the main influence in my life, and she lived her life very simply you know we were on a farm and uh, she did gardening and weeding and canning and made candy and homemade stuff and all those <laughs> kind of things and um, at night she'd uh, go to bed and she'd be praying for people and she'd cry for them and and uh, I'd hear her in her room uh, doing that till late at night and stuff and you know, and the thing that I love is I'm going to actually talk about this on Sunday at a church. Um, you know, just the idea of the fruits of the spirit and just living that out. And that's, you know, that's enough, you know, and God has given us, you know, uh, this is, this is your guide here. These are the things that you should be doing in your life. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, you know, that, that, all that, those nine uh, and so I try to do that every day. I try to look at my day and look at who I am and try to embody those uh, characteristics. Um, and then at the end of the day, I kind of reevaluate and figure out how I screwed up and messed up and everything. But um, not uh, never been real attached to things um, much more interested in people and um, I love not having stuff I probably am the the opposite of a hoarder I guess but um, it's important for me to be able to have everything I own I can just throw it in my car and head out and so uh, I've been able to maintain that through my life that is that is a, a, a reality you you can move with your car? Yeah. I mean, everything yeah. you own fits in your car. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not 20. No, I'm an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> Part of that is just the, the idea of simplicity um, that you know, I was taught at a young age. And then I think also part of it is just, um, um, you know, my mom killing herself when I was young and kind of disrupting our farm family and that stability and everything. Um, and I, I, uh, I just, after that, I think I was always, uh, interested in being able to get out of a situation easily and not have things complicated and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm sure there's some good psychological stuff there, but, um, <laughs> I think for the most part, it's been healthy for me to live that way. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, two things about it. One, I, I feel like you're a little embarrassed. Well, let me ask you, is it like it's not something you're um, um, eager to talk about? Is this accurate? The possessions that fit in well, your car? It's not that I'm... I, I think anything you do, um, when it becomes something... Um, that you're proud of, I, I, I get, get nervous about that. Yeah. And I'm not proud of, you know, that's just who I am. And so, yeah, there no, like it's, some it's a, yeah, that's what I meant. It's like a humility of that. Like, wait, wait, don't prize me for, 
Okay, here's the other thing that that I like is you're and and I can see it in your face. There is a sort of freedom you have in this. This is not a bondage type. You know, I must live this way. It, it seems to me to be a joy. It is a joy. My background is 23. Um, Rich Mullins had a real big impact in my life, and and that's around the time I decided I was going to be single for my life, and and. In that decision, and there was, you know, simplicity was a part of that too. And that I love that I can go anywhere, I can do anything, I can go and spend time with a family for six months because they need somebody. Um, I've had friends send their kids to me for the summer or longer to help try to get them figured out, which I don't know if that's a good idea to send it to me, but I'm able to do that. I'm able to, to have that freedom um, to invest in people's lives. And so I probably would have not been a great husband or father or something, but I think I'm, I'm excellent at being a great friend and being somebody who can come alongside folks and support them. And so Again, that, you know, the idea of keeping my life simple has allowed me to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because, like, people will say, well, you know, why are you against marriage and stuff like that? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not against marriage. I, I believe deeply in marriage. I am very much against divorce. I'm very much against, you know, a marriage not making it. And I think we should, you know, I, that, I love Quaker marriages because, you know, we all sign the little thingy there saying we're going to support them and, and keep them together. And so I believe in marriage and I think that I am just better at helping people stay married, maybe <laughs> than worrying about being married myself. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not a lot of people that intentionally live uh, in America with uh, a limited amount of possessions that can fit in the car to move that have the kind of flexibility you have yet. Many of us would agree that people are more important than possessions. Would you have any maybe advice or words um, for those of us who are wanting to move towards a more simple life? <laughs> I don't. I don't that I'm going to be a good American here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I think that we we are so consumer driven and we're so you know we see things that we want and you know and it's like we allow ourselves to get into relationships um, with people that possessions are tied to that sometimes. And I guess I'm thinking like, you know, when, when you buy a home and, you know, everything needs to match and everything needs to, you know, everything's, you know, every room's got to be full and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think that we, we do that because that's what we see all the time uh, in social media and, and, and commercials and all those kind of things. And, and so we assume that, okay, well, that's, that's what being a healthy person is, you know? And so I think that, you know, I just encourage folks to just challenge that and that you really, you really don't need a lot of stuff. And my experience and experience of folks who I've talked with and they've done this you give things away and and you let things go and there's a freedom in that. Right. And, you know, of course, you know, like you want to keep pictures that are special or, you know, maybe there's an antique chair or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, you know, be um, austere, you know, that kind of thing. I'm just saying, you know, look at 
you know, look at your stuff and really decide, you know what? No, this isn't, this isn't necessary. I don't need this. And maybe these folks over here would need that. That I, I believe deeply that we should not become a socialist country. And I, I think that's um, a negative comment for a lot of people these days and that people seem to think that that's where we need to head. But I think it's us. I think it's the people and the church from a Christian perspective, that we need to be less consumer oriented and more oriented towards what do we need to be doing to help other people? And, you know, one of those things is looking at ourselves and seeing like, if I live it a simpler life, I'm going to be able to help more people. You know, what, what we tend to do is we tend to live at this high level you know, like in Indianapolis, northern Indianapolis, there's all these big old mansions that they're really cheaply built and they're ugly, but they're big old mansions. And a lot of times they're empty, you know, or they have one or two rooms that are decorated, you know, because people have this mentality of what they need to have. And the reality is if they just would get a simple home that's comfortable and, and safe and all this kind of stuff, they would have more discretionary money to do good things for the community and to support their community and stuff like that. And I think that, um, that, that whole consumerism thing is just gotta be challenged. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful. And it, in, in a sense, it does kind of start that way of just asking some of the questions and challenging some of the norms that we've inadvertently bought right. into and saying, well, what is this? Right. And then, and then making decisions yeah. Yeah. over time with how to live. But simplicity isn't just about possessions, um, but it's not just about that for you. I'm thinking of like simplicity of speech or simplicity of kind of heart. And what does some of that look like? I I think simplicity of speech for me is I love to listen. I love to pay attention to people and, and, and to watch them and, observe them. And, um, I, in doing that, I think I'm uh, a better friend and a better person to help them figure out stuff. And a lot of things I do in my life are helping people figure out like what they want to do for a living, what they want to do for grad school, you know, things they're struggling with and that kind of stuff. And so, and I think that I'm halfway decent at that because, um, I slow down and I take time to watch and and observe. And so I see, like, the other day, this this guy, he was telling me about all this kind of stuff, and his dad was murdered a couple months ago, and, you know, and he was going on and on and on and everything. And all of a sudden, I just stopped him, and I touched his hand, and I said, I said, do you realize your hands are shaking like crazy? And it's like, he almost, he started crying mm-hmm. because, you know, I, it, it, he what he was just so, he had just, got himself so yanked up and everything. And he was, you know, he's got three little boys um, within five years or younger and, you know, and he got, has a job where he's raising support and all this. And it's like, yeah, he's just about ready to snap, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. uh, um, I think that, you know, it's important to pay attention and to just slow your life down so you can see what's going on around you and you can help other people slow down. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think too, you know, when you do talk, um, I may not live that out today here on this, but <laughs> I think, you know, to, to, to be 
Dylan to listen and then to respond um, in, in, you know, a real matter of fact, you know, easy way that doesn't go into a lot of tangential things and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but just keep, keep the message so that folks can really understand it and appreciate it. I like that. How do we slow down? Mm. Um, there's nothing in our society that would allow us to do that. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm becoming every day, I become more and more enemy of, of social media. You know, you look at everything about our society is just, is just so go, go, go. And I think that's why you hear of folks who are, you know, they pack up everybody and they move to Montana, you know, Montana's going to all of a sudden get overpopulated. You know, but I think that, you know, we don't have to be that overreactive. You know, I don't know if you, like in the seventies, eighties, when I was growing up, um, there was a thing where like a lot of times guys who would all of a sudden come to a realization that they wanted to live their life differently they would give everything away. They'd give all their CDs, their records away. They'd give all their clothes away and they just, you know, just give everything away, you know, and then they'd start over, you know, and then, you know, six months later, of course they have everything back again. because <laughs> that was just a, but, but I do think that, you know, you do that mentality in a mature way in that, mm. okay, yeah, it's like, let's, let's look at how do we simplify our life? It's like, I can't stand it when I hear parents talking about, oh, the kids have this tonight and the kids have that tonight. And like every night this week, we've got something going on and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And the kids are doing this, the kids are doing that. And I'm like, you know, kids are not in charge of the family. Kids cannot run the family. And, and <laughs> you as parents need to say, you know what, you can have one event outside of school. And if it's a sport, fine. If it's a dance, fine. If it's, you know, juggling, fine. But one thing, and the rest of the time, you're going to be at home with the family and you're going to be, you know, investing in, in your, your, your family and, and yourself and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're going to read and you're going to, you know, those (laughs) kinds of things. I think we, uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to be more intentional about slowing things down and Mm -hmm. controlling stuff. And, and I think sometimes parents are afraid of that because they don't want to say no to their kid because they think their kid's going to leave if they say no. And it's like, you know what, you know, you, that's part of being a parent is saying no. And our society wants people to believe today that kids are ready to make decisions and everything like that. But at the same time, society is saying that men don't get out of whatever we're we're immature until we're 28 you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i i think you know it's like okay you're talking out of both sides of your mouth here society and and it really is like (laughs) you know we we aren't prepared we aren't prepared to make decisions at a young age and so parents there's just such that importance for you know the, the 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 mom and dad to take control of the family and to say okay here's here's how we're going to live and here's Mm -hmm. how we're going to do things. And again, it's, I'm not trying to be anti anything. It's just, I think that we're just pushed to do too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the default, right? The kind of left unattended will, will gravitate towards more and more possessions and more and more complex schedules. Yeah. And more and more things to do. And, And it's like, I just, I go to this little tiny church, you know, with 30 or 40 people and 
we have a service on Saturday evenings and then we have, have uh, dinner and, um, you know, they would keep me busy every day. And it's just a tiny group of people, but you know, they, they, they have so much that they want and they need. And so the pastor's like, here, Damon, do this or here, Damon, do that. And, and it's like, and I love helping out and I want to do that, but I'm just kind of like, you know, no, you know, I, this is what I'll do. And, and I'm going to be done at that point, you know? And I, I think that, you know, a lot of times churches are bad at that. And that if they get somebody at the church that they know can get things done and do things and be, be, get accomplished um, work that needs to be done, they just keep putting it on them. And, you know, it's like the same person is doing Bible school and then they switch to choir and then they switch, you know, it's like, so they're constantly, and it's like, you know, the church of all places should be a place of, of community and, and simplicity. And, and, you know, we need to honor that. And so I think that we have to be looking out for one another and we have to be realizing that, you know, um, sometimes we need to say to somebody, just go be still for a little bit. Uh, that's helpful. The, the, the thought I had from that is, you know, how do we help protect each other? And to kind of yes. ask some of those questions, like, I love that you're doing this, but is this healthy for you to be doing? Um, right. It's a good thing. We like it, but is this healthy <laughs> for your soul? Okay, you, you brought up something and I wanted to explore a little further. The idea of setting boundaries and how does that relate to the discipline of simplicity? Or does it? Maybe start there. You know, I think in every aspect of our life, there needs to be standards and, and um, you know, we need to have figured out how far we need to go in a situation, how far we need to go in a friendship, how far we need to go in our jobs. And, um, you know, and I think that we get into the habit of sky's the limit and we just go, 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 go because we can. And so I think that there are times where um, we need to realize that, you know, we need to have a couple nights a week where we don't have anything going on and we may get bored and we may read a book, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and, um, but it's just, you know, unfortunately we need to program that stuff. We need to, to make decisions that will allow that kind of stuff to happen. Take, take responsibility life. for ourselves. Yeah. And not feel, and not also not feel guilty. I mean, I think there's, there's part of us who, you know, like are driven and, and hard workers and perfectionists that, you know, we feel guilty if we aren't go, 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 go. And, that guilt is not real. It's, it's a lie. You raised the question of the way I interpret it was when is enough enough? And that we don't often even hold that question of uh, when have we reached that, whether it be possessions, money, or time and schedule. Um, how do we know when enough is enough? I think that takes communication. Um, I think it takes, um, you know, if you, I think you need to have, um, one thing that Quakers do that I love is the clearness committee, um, uh, concept. And 
I think that, you know, asking people to speak intentionally into your life is something that um, probably was a great practice a hundred years ago and it, it doesn't happen hardly at all anymore. And I think that we need to, whether it's our spouse or our friends or, you know, a combination of, we need to ask people to speak into our lives. And I think that other folks are going to be very good at seeing, you know, like, okay, well, you're frazzled, you know, or, you know, that's your eighth cup of coffee today. And, you know, what's up with that? You know, those kind of things. I think that, you know, we need to involve other folks. And then I think too, just, you know, some practices of like what I was saying earlier about as far as like, I, I, I try to center myself each morning on what I, what I want to accomplish and how I want to do that and how I want to, how I want to be with other people. And at the end of the day, I kind of evaluate that. And I also, you know, use a, a journal where I kind of write down some of that stuff too, just to kind of remind me and those kind of things. And I think that, um, being intentional, um, in those ways and interacting with others and allowing people to speak into our lives and then also observing our life um, will help us to be able to decide, you know what, I'm not enjoying this or, you know, Hey, you know what, it might be nice to be able to walk around this room and not stumble over stuff all the time. You know I mean? They're just, you know, I, we, we will come to good realizations, I believe. Oh, the one that caught me lately was this observation of going, you know, I'm kind of giving my kids the worst of me. You know, they get the tired, the end of the day, what I have left to give me. Not very helpful. No. And that's a great insight, Nathan. I mean, because that's, that's what happens too often, you know, you know, and, and it's also our kids too, you know. I don't like it that kids spend more time with other people than their families, you know, when they're growing up, when they're in school. And I think that, again, that's an area where I think we need to help our kids have a little simplicity in that um, they just, they don't need to be going all the time. They don't need to be, you know, they need to spend time with their family. I was given a quote yesterday and I'd love to hear your opinion on it. All right. Okay. And it was, uh, um, I'm, I don't remember the person who said it, and I tried to look it up, but apparently it's attributed to quite a few people. And it's very simple. It's just two words. And the words are pursue obscurity. I, I, I like that. I think that's a, that's a good, good quote. It sounds like something Chesterton or somebody like that would say. <laughs> but uh, I like that concept, but I probably would say, uh, seek joy or something like that in that pursue and obscurity are both pretty strong words. And I don't know that we need to be, you can get too serious about being a certain way in our society. There's just, everybody's doing extreme things. And I think that you need to move it back to more of a, a, a centering than, than a in, an intense. Does that make oh, sense? It totally does. It's just, it's this balance that, yeah, yeah. You kind of tightrope of, you know, I mean, the thing I like about the quote is it's just a kind of challenge to um, some of the cultural values of right, right. what we're pursuing of being known and relevant and such. Um, I agree. 
but but you can get you know you can go too far certainly with I guess just in terms of a value of obscurity do you consider obscurity to be a value you know I I don't know that I do um um because I, I uh I I love being known I love being known to the point where people see what I can bring to the table and how I can serve and how I can support and those kind of things. And obscurity would just mean, you know, you're not there. I mean, you're just, you're out there, you're by yourself. You're, you're, it's lonely. You're Montana you know, I, eating soup. <laughs> exactly. I don't think that I pursue obscurity. And I think that folks who do, maybe there's some issues they need to deal with. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's what I, <laughs> I love this. Because, I mean, I, I thought of you with the quote. And the reason being is that, you know, my kind of observing you through the years is you're not trying to be showy. You're not trying to be front and center. You, you, you serve well in, in, in a hidden way. And there's a certain kind of loving and obscurity that, that I observe in you. And that's maybe what I was getting at. Not needing the limelight, not needing to uh, be up front is one thing, but you know, I don't, I don't want to be obscure. I love being uh, in places and in groups and with people and being able to help, help that situation or help, whatever be better and so um that's not obscurity that's uh you know it's just maybe just being shy i don't know uh yeah no it's that's super helpful because it, it's um it's going too far right being known and being available and 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 i love what you said is i want people to know how i can help and i want to be involved there's a, I guess there's just a simplicity about some of that of like, all right, I'm here. I want to be engaged, but I'm not maybe needy. Is that part of it in a, in destructive ways? Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. Our conversation is so funny because, um, you know, being down, coming down to Indy and, and helping with my sister and all that kind of stuff. I got to a point kind of where I really, I was realizing I was resetting my life and, um, I've never seen a therapist or anything like that. So I went ahead and started seeing a counselor just because I thought that would be good. And, you know, the first day she goes, well, you're not crazy. So let's focus on other things. And so she got real intense about me wanting, wanting me to become an expert in the Enneagram and all this kind of stuff. And, and to me, it's like, I kind of shy away from things that seem to be all very, very popular, you know, and, and the Enneagram is like every other person is saying, Oh, you got to, you know, are you a six? Are you a five? Are you a whatever? And, and I think there's a lot of good uh, with the Enneagram and, and everything. But again, I think we, we take it too, too far. And, but like, you know, what we were just talking about with the, you know, like being aware and uh, that kind of thing. I, I love that the Enneagram does help us become more self-aware and see the unhealthiness that we that we exacerbate in our lives, and um, I think that the enneagram is great for moving simplicity to a, a place where people could actually look at it and say, "Yeah, I can I can work at that." 
you know, because it, you know, we need to address the unhealthiness in our lives because the unhealthiness in our lives is probably what's causing us to feel like we've got to stay busy all the time or feel like we need to go out and spend more money or we need to have a certain social status or, or those kind of things. And so um, I think awareness is so important. Oh, that's good. That's good. Damon, I'm so grateful for getting to talk with you today. It was a privilege, sir. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Hey, the selection for this year's book club have been made, and they're really good. I believe they'll open up registration in another week or so, but we'll say more. Hey, have a great two weeks. <laughs>